Welcome to the Legislate podcast, a place to learn about the latest insights and trends in property, technology, business building, contract drafting. Today, I'm excited to welcome Simon Suchi on the show. Simon is the founder and CEO of the Property Investors Network, the UK's biggest property training and networking organization. Simon, thank you for taking the time. Would you like to please share a bit of background about yourself and the Property Investors Network? Yeah, of course. First, thank you for asking me onto the podcast. So I started Property Investors Network back in 2003. And the reason was I found that investing in property can actually be very lonely. I'd managed to replace my income and leave my corporate career at Cadbury's where I'd started as a graduate trainee, then became a senior manager. And I got into property a little through accident, really, and, and just realized it was a great way to, to make money. I enjoyed it. And all my friends were working. None of my family had their own, none, they had no investments apart from their own home. And so uh, I thought, wouldn't it be good to get a group of like-minded people around me? Now, that might sound really obvious these days, but back in 2003, there were no networking meetings for property investors. I was going to breakfast network meetings for my business, and I'd met a great solicitor, mortgage broker, accountant, etc. But none of them really had properties apart from their own home. So I think it's really important if you want to be successful, you've got to surround yourself with like-minded people who will champion and encourage you rather than tell you all the things you, you shouldn't do and all the things that could go wrong. So we set up in 2003 as one meeting here in Birmingham where I still live. And it's now 50 plus meetings around the country. And my business has actually been acquired by an international business. We're now scaling it around the world, which is a very exciting thing to do. Congratulations uh, on so the much. exit. And I was thinking if there's 50 meetings in the UK, if you're now going international, you must be extremely busy. Um, yeah, so, so to be honest, the, the business pretty much runs itself here in the UK. But I've got the great fun job of starting from scratch and obviously learning from things that worked really well and didn't work so well. And, and hopefully we're going to scale pretty quickly around the world. So uh, I guess watch this space. Great. Very exciting. And in your journey since starting in 2003, what's been your favorite moment so far? Well, you know what? Having the networking is great. And, and I've met some incredible people through networking. I've, I've learned a lot of what I do now through people I've met. And I think you know, if you try and do things in isolation, you're not going to go as far as if you're connecting with other people. But a lot of people started asking me how I had managed to replace my income and I didn't have to work at Cadbury's anymore. And so in 2003, I started teaching other people what I had done. And it's great when I see people achieve success, they become financially independent, they replace their income, they can then do what they want and far quicker than I did it. And I, I get this real buzz that they've done it, they've done the hard work, but we've been a little bit of a catalyst to maybe help them think differently, to think bigger and to realize there's more than one way of earning money rather than just having a job or running a business. And, and also it's the way people develop, the, the way they grow and they become a far more conscious, uh, much more aware person because of all the personal development we expose them to as well. So I think that's my biggest feeling of success. It's great to sell a company. It's great to have all these network meetings, but actually it's the impact we've had on so many people. That's what gives me the real buzz. That's great. And I can imagine you must be, we're talking hundreds of people, potentially. Uh, thousands of people. Thousands of thousands. people. Thousands. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Great. And what do you wish you'd known before starting the Property Investors Network? About business or about property or both? Anything. One of the things is that when you start as a solopreneur, when you're doing things on your own, you think you have to do everything yourself. And so one of my other businesses, which is as a property fintech business, Crowd Property, I set that up in 2013 with a deliberate intention that I didn't want it to be all about me doing it. And it was our network. We found loads of great 
deals through that. We found lots of people who want to lend on those those deals. So we put the platform together, all FCA regulated, but I deliberately designed the business in the first place so that it wasn't just me. And that would be my biggest tip to any anyone in property, anyone in business. Don't think you have to do everything yourself. There are people who can do what you do, certainly as well as you. And even the team I have in Crowd Property, the different roles they do, they do much better than I could possibly do it yourself. So think about going big, but you don't have to do everything. That's probably my biggest lesson, I think. Yeah, I'm a solo founder and we now have a team, but yeah. So you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, we're, we're definitely a, a different beast. Uh, now we've got the team then when it was just me. Yeah, and look, sometimes um, you have to start things, get things going. But then the sooner you can bring other people in, the better. And that sometimes means a little bit of a, a step back in, in terms of income and certainly property. If you give it to other people to manage, you're, you're then losing some of your rental income. But it frees up so much time. And Charles, I'm sure you found this when you were... When you brought on team, there might have been a financial commitment for you there, but actually it freed up your time to focus on the best value activities you need to focus on. Absolutely. And, and I guess the, the next challenge is what are those best value add activities? Yes. If you've given all your work away. Yeah, absolutely. And you've already touched on your international expansion, but you know what's the vision or, or plan for the next five? So I actually I sold my... My training and networking business, I've contracted to stay for the next two or three years, which is what I love to do. I want to make sure that business grows and continues to prosper and we'll look after our clients, obviously. But I've got the exciting expansion around the world. And I I speaking, I love training. So I'll always be doing something like maybe not in property, who knows, some, something else, maybe some sort of businessing or marketing growth as you know, I've built and sold a by then, there will be a couple of successful businesses, eight-figure sales, which is good. So that's quite exciting. But um I'm looking forward to having a bit more time. I think as solopreneurs and entrepreneurs, we're very busy. I love what I do, so it doesn't feel like work a lot of the time, but I'm probably busier than I should be. So I think trying to have a bit of uh, discipline to make sure I really enjoy the fruits of my labor for the last 18 plus years is, is part of what I'm going to be doing. And I'm sure that your that time off will be well-deserved. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> Great. And as a founder... I'm sure you've seen plenty of contracts. So yeah. you know, what are the key agreements that you work with and what, what are the common issues that you find with them? I think there's, there's several different areas I could talk about. Let's talk about property investing, first of all. And in property, obviously, you have rental agreements, which is fine. But when you come to do a joint venture, when you're working with someone else, which many of our clients do and I've done as well, first of all, it, it's absolutely critical to have paperwork in place. And very often people meet their good friends, oh, let's work together. And whilst that's fine in principle, you need to document it. So you know exactly who is doing what, what happens if it goes wrong. We have these best laid plans and things don't always work out, particularly in property, things go wrong. And and so I think in contracts, it's really important to have clarity. One of the problems with a lot of contracts, there's a lot of legal speak. And I, I like contracts which, wherever possible, use as much plain English as possible. I think that's a really good idea. And try and, try and bespoke the contract to the deal. I think you can start with templates, obviously, but you've got to make sure that it is tailored to what you're specifically trying to achieve. And then also, at the end of the day, when you sign a contract, and a mistake I have made, and I'll be really open about this because I've made loads of mistakes. A mistake I've made is where I've come up with an agreement with someone, I've then delegated to someone on my team to put the contract together, my responsibility that they probably weren't briefed properly. They put together, they used the template, they put something together and actually didn't really represent what was agreed in the deal. And my mistake, 
I didn't bother reading it, checking it properly. So not only is it important to put the contract together, make sure it's fit for purpose, you must absolutely agree it to make sure it's correct. And unfortunately, it was in the other person's favor. That's caused me a bit of hassle. And likewise, I've, I'm in a dispute with someone at the moment uh, on a contract. We sold a big development. Obviously, everything was done through solicitors. And my solicitor suggested something they put in the contract wasn't, wasn't very good. So their sister took it out and it was agreed amongst the sisters. And I don't think the other party, when they signed the contract, had read it properly. I don't think this clause was taken, they realised it was taken out. Because then when there was a bit of a dispute and, uh, and they are in the wrong here, they thought they were right because something was in the contract, but it wasn't in the contract. So, so get, your, get clear on what you want in the contract, get it put together properly, and then obviously check it very carefully before you sign it. And I might sound completely obvious, but I've made that mistake these other people have made that mistake. So I think it's, and you probably know Charles, maybe other people do as well. I think it's a fairly common mistake. Yeah, no, I definitely can uh, relate to, you need to read the agreements. It can be tempting to sign for the sake of getting the deal across the line. But, um, yeah. you know, if you don't know what you're signing or if there is, if something's missing, because often with contracts, it's not so much what's in the contract, it's what not in the contract that is important. Uh, exactly, um, exactly. Yeah. Really good point. And, and you're, you're absolutely right there that sometimes you, you want to do the deal and you've agreed the deal, you put it together and you think, oh, I'm finally here, signing the contract's the last bit. But but you've got a sense check because you, you might have great people putting it together for you, but actually, does it really represent what was actually agreed? Because at the end of the day, hopefully you don't need to fall back on the contract. Everything happens to plan, but sometimes things go wrong, and particularly in property, delays happen, etc. And that's when you need to make sure if you need to fall back on that contract, that it is actually what you expected it to be. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think especially when you do work with solicitors, solicitors it is quite tempting to think that, okay, they're going to take care of everything, therefore I don't need to worry. But, and you know uh, what? Sometimes solicitors make mistakes. That's not always the best route. Yeah, no. At least at least, what we're trying to do with Legislate is empower, you know, the users to create their own contracts. Um, yeah. Whether it's tenancy agreement, how to rent. We're, we're doing simple agreements for now. Yeah where it is written in plain English, it is presented as a set of questions and answers. And at the end, you have a bespoke agreement based on your situation. Yeah, well, that's exactly what so, um, You're doing a great job, Charles. Oh, thank you, Simon. I'm conscious that I've already taken a lot of your time. I'm going to ask you the closing question we ask all our guests. If you're being sent a contract to sign today, what would impress you? I think that, that obviously, I already said this, but I guess that it, it represents what has been agreed. Because for me, that's what a contract's about. Technically, if you agree something with someone verbally, that is an agreement, that's a contract. But obviously, difficult to prove in a court of law because he said this, you said that, etc. So I like contracts that are plain English as much as possible. You sometimes need some legal speak, obviously, but really clear. And they, they represent, and I, I know the other person who... I'm trying to do the deal with, they've been listening to me, we've reached an agreement, and that is then represented in the contract. And and actually, I quite like contracts that are as concise as possible as well. I hate it when you have a really massive contract, and it feels like it's just jargon for the sake of jargon. That's my my uneducated, unlegal profession background, but that's just my personal point of view. Yeah, no, that's great. And I think you raised a, a, a pretty important point about contracts not being what was agreed. And I think heads of terms to contract is, is, is a key part of yeah. any negotiation. Absolutely. And also a good indication of the of the trustworthiness or the good faith of, of the other side. Yeah, exactly. So, um, because is this contract saying 
is it representing what was actually agreed and hopefully people aren't trying to change things or sneak things in yeah um so if i've agreed something on the heads of terms and that's what comes through the contract that gives me confidence yeah Great. Thank you, Simon, for being on the show. Best of luck uh, with your international expansion and and hopefully uh, you can rest a bit more soon. Great. Thank you so much, Charles. And I might say rest, I think having some relaxation and downtime is really important, but I want these people, I could never stop and do nothing. I'll always be doing something. I'm entrepreneurial and it's just nice to give yourself some space sometimes to work out what do you want that next thing to be? I I can, I think, I I hope that I'll be in a similar position at some point in the future. Thank you, Charles. Thanks for your time today. And I hope you got some value listening to this podcast. Yeah, no, it's been great. Thank you. Thank you.